0: Good morning, um, lovely to see you on this, well it is a lovely summer's day today, isn't it? Um, there isn't much of a breeze, um, so it's a little bit warmer and balmier uh, than we're used to, but um, it's a lovely uh, morning as we come to worship. So whether you've gathered in person or indeed online with us today, we bid you uh, a warm welcome here in the name of Christ, the Dare of um, We begin this morning by using a little verse from scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, um, and it says, but he said to me, that is, Uh, The Lord. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We each come with our own weaknesses, our own foibles this morning before a God who is gracious uh, and merciful, before a God who meets us where we are and speaks into our lives. So let us pray as we begin. Clock this fourth Sunday of Trinity. God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong and nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler, or guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we finally lose not the things eternal. Grant this heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ's sake, our Lord. Amen. Our reading is from St. Luke chapter 10,
1: reading verses 25 to 37. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise.
0: Thank you, Nori. A couple of weeks ago, whenever uh, Peter Jones was with us and Frank was being um, commissioned as our parish reader, um, Peter was talking about how we can engage with the community around us, how we as a body can reach out. Last week we looked at that, title, that theory of sending out, Jesus sending out the 72, how in our everyday, sometimes how we feel the smallness of our everyday, we can actually be witnesses for Him. It's our everyday practices, a small act of kindness that helps to share and to show the love of Jesus. Um, in this community. Being his hands and his feet by being yourself um, is the most powerful moment as we share our story, as we share our faith, as we carry the presence of Jesus with us. And this week we're thinking about this uh, title of Helping Out. um, This is a well-known passage of the Good Samaritan. If you've been um, at church or been through Sunday school or been uh, in any kind of religious context, Christian context, over a period of time you'll have heard the story of the Good Samaritan before. Um, the, the background uh, we probably many times have heard it before, it's a, this was a rough road, this was a place where these beatings and these robberies would have occurred on a regular basis. A road you didn't normally necessarily travel um, on your own. On. A, a dangerous place where robbers and thieves would have met and congregated uh, and looked out for the vulnerable ones uh, who were passing along. it. Uh, the one, the place where in this context, in this story, Uh, where the Levite and the priest pass him by, um, but it's the Samaritan who stops. The one who shouldn't even have a conversation with him is the one who stops to help. So with that, uh, in our ears, let's pray as we look at this passage today. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that your word is living and active, um, and that your word, by your Spirit, speaks into our hearts and our minds this morning. Help us um, be transformed, renewed, refreshed, by you today your word and not my words we pray in your name amen so in a sense from that short brief intro and maybe from hearing heard lots of sermons on this passage before you get the jest in many ways who is our neighbor is the question the ultimate question that comes out of this passage who is our neighbor and in a world that is becoming increasingly smaller and we can make connections with people across the world instantaneously now Uh, Not just uh, through a telephone, uh, but actually with video calls, with uh, all kinds of new technology. Um, We we can see several people at the same time. We can interact in lots of different ways. And so the world is becoming a much smaller place, a smaller community. But yet it's also a place that is increasingly lacking in that social interaction. (laughs) In, In that sense of we know the people who we live beside. Who we live around in our community. That's becoming less and less in our culture and in our world. So who is our neighbour? What should we do? Um, the, we've probably heard before this passage teaches us that we're not simply to look at other people through rose-tinted glasses or any kind of tinted glasses. Uh, and we grew up, we know, in an, an ordinary Irish culture, and context, that to be so, so true, that we can create barriers or stereotypes Uh, that we can create prejudices around certain communities, uh, certain cultures um, and certain ethnic groups and we can say, I know all about them and so actually I've made a decision generically rather than getting to know uh, individuals. But we know that this passage teaches us where to open the door to friendship, where to open the door to those who we don't naturally know or are close to and ensure that we are there to help as much as we can. Verse 31 um, says this. A priest happened to be going down the same road. Whenever he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw, he passed by on the other side. The ones who should have helped didn't. The ones who culturally were set aside within their religious community to be the ones who reached out the hand of help Are the ones who walked on. Doesn't tell us why they did it. We could make lots of assumptions or suppositions today about why they did it. Maybe they had a really important service to attend. Maybe they had a really important meeting to do. Maybe they didn't want to be seen to be associating with the person who was on the road. Whatever it was, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And I've obviously read this passage many times, I've actually uh, preached on it many times. And so actually sometimes whenever you come to a passage that is so familiar, it can be really hard to think, what am I going to say? I don't mean that in a wrong way. Um, but sometimes you don't want to simply stand up and go, oh, I've done that loads of times, so here actually is what I've done before, and I'll just do that again. And so I agonized over this passage during the week and really prayed into it and spent time living with this passage in a sense and rereading it and thinking, "What is, is there anything fresh in here today? Firstly, for me, that I could say in this context, for us as a parish. And the one thing that struck me this time as I prepared um, was this. The man, the injured man, he never speaks. He's completely silent. First 30. In reply, uh, Jesus says, A man was going down to Jerusalem. The Jericho, whenever he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him on his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. Later on in the passage, whenever the Samaritan takes him to the inn to look after him, no words are expressed by this man in this parable. There's nothing to attract us to him. There's nothing that he says that is worthy of note. He remains seemingly faceless and nameless. Like so many people in our community. So who are we actually called to help? Who are we sent out amongst? As we heard last week. The Samaritan did the decent thing. It's a real, real, ordinary phrase, isn't it? To do the decent thing. But he did the decent thing with abundant generosity. He didn't just do the decent thing. He didn't just help the man on the road. He helped the man. He took him to the inn. He bandaged his wounds. He put oil on them. He did what he could. And then he paid others to ensure that the man could recuperate and get well. And back on his feet. He did the decent thing but with abundant generosity. The next day, verse 35, he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, two silver coins would have been a huge amount of money. Look after him, he said, and whenever I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. He gave him a load of money, not even expecting that that might be enough, but leaving a little IOU with him and saying, if there's anything else, don't hesitate, give it. Abundant generosity. And all of that flows from the greatest commandments. That Jesus gave to us. We're well, actually knowing read them within this passage today, they come just before this parable. This parable is in response to Jesus quoting the greatest commandments. Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do this, and you will live. Then they ask but who is? my neighbour, And the parable is told. This flows not only from Jesus' words about what the greatest commandments are coming uh, from other places in the New Testament and you can find it in Matthew um, chapter 22 but these flow out of the Levitical law. These flow out of the Ten Commandments. Um, This is the summary of everything that God has given us to this point. This is what Jesus is saying succinctly, love God And love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And both of those have abundant generosity within them. It's not just love God. It's love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Everything that you have. And love your neighbor as yourself. Do you love yourself? If you hear no other question today, hear that question. Because I don't mean that question, that question is not meant in the sense of do you stand from the mirror and think I'm going grey, I really am like George Clooney or do you know, uh, uh, know, look how good looking I am or how fantastic I am at all of these things. I am the best at X, Y or Z in my career or in my school work or, or wherever that is. That's not the, that, the core of that question. The core of that question of do you love yourself is do you recognize who you are and are you content with who you are? Do you recognize who you are under God and do you love yourself for all that God has done for you? We love because he first loved us. We know that we should love God but we do it generously. We know that we should love our neighbor And we need to do that generously as well. Often we love other people without first loving ourselves. But that commandment, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And in that he's saying, recognize who you are, what the Lord has done for you, and know that you are loved by him. And in meeting him in those places, you'll be able to love your neighbor with abundant generosity. Loving God for who he is and what he has done. Loving yourself so that you can love your neighbor. All that starts with a proper understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And whilst this parable today encourages us to look out for the nameless and the faceless in our society, it also encourages us to look out for ourselves. The Samaritan knew and was content and comfortable in who he was to help the person who he shouldn't even have spoken to. He actually wasn't worried about what other people thought about him. And uh, speaking personally, that's the fear that can hold me back so often. What are other people going to say? What are they going to think? What's their reaction going to be to the things that I do and I say? But to love ourselves in the knowledge that we are loved beyond measure by a God who gave his life for us, that we're loving him with all of our hearts, our souls, and our minds, means that as we love our neighbor, we are less worried about what other people might think and in a much better place to love our neighbors, just like ourselves. Some of that may be an age thing for me. Um, They say that whenever you're in your teenage years, you worry about what everybody else around you thinks about you. Whenever you get into your 20s, you worry about those who are above you and what they think about you. Whenever you get into your 30s, you begin to worry about how you think about yourself. And whenever you get into your 40s, you begin to realize that nobody was really worried about any of those things all alone. And actually, you begin to worry less. Then if you get into your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, you tell me what happens at that point. I haven't got there yet. But sometimes actually we can see that the older people get, the less they actually Worry about what other people think about them. Another conversation that I had Tuesday night, actually during the week, and this is important in this. Whenever you ask somebody who's below the age of ten, this is my experience, below the age of ten, what age they are, they will quite often say, six and a half. They're not six, they're six and a half, and the half's really, really important. I've also found that whenever people get to about 99, they're 99 and a half. And I've also found those I've ministered to, whenever they get over the age of 100, or 100, one of the eldest day I ever uh, ministered to was 104, and she used to say, I'm 104 and six days, <laughs> <laughs> because the perspective is this, every day counts. Every day is a blessing, and it counts. Jesus asks the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We have mercy because he first had mercy on us. Have mercy on those who are nameless and faceless in our community. We love our neighbors because we love ourselves and who we are in Him and through Him. We love our neighbors and we love God because He is the one who is able to do immeasurably more. all we ask. To imagine. You've received. And at that point, things begin to flow in abundant generosity. And abundant generosity means that we become less worried about what other people think. We give of what we have. Next week, we're going to look at the home of Mary and Martha. And a little phrase that has struck me as I've already begun begun to think about that is a sentence, and I finish with this to carry out next week, is this, and it is about abundant generosity. That whenever you realize that you have more than you need, build a longer table and not a higher fence. Whenever you realize you've got more than you need, build a longer table and not a higher fence. So as we go from this place today, having worshiped together as a community of believers, having gathered to receive from the Lord, we go, we go to abundantly, generously seek those who are nameless and faceless in our culture, in our community, in our society, and ensure that they too know that the Lord has mercy. And the Lord forgives. Let us pray. Father, pour out your spirit upon us this day. That we, coming before you, may know you like never before. And in knowing you like never before, reach out with abundant generosity. In your name. Amen. Uh, So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and the Lord give you peace. And may the blessing of God Almighty. Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.